You know, many of you uh, know my family, you know my wife and I, and, and we have uh, two little boys. Uh, they're five and three. Grady is five. Andon is three. And uh, because of the age of our kids, uh, there's been a, a lot of singing of songs in our, in our home for the last few years, and recently we have been singing Jesus Loves Me a lot. And if you grew up in church or going to Sunday school, even if you didn't grow up uh, going to church, you have probably heard that song. Uh, it is something that we learn uh, when we are very, very young, and, uh, and it's a very, very simple song. And um, my three-year-old, Andon, he especially likes to just belt it out when he sings. And he doesn't get all the words right all the time, and he doesn't know where all the repeats go and how all the phrases always work, but he just loves to belt it out. And, and my favorite part, I think it's his favorite part too, is when he says, yes, Jesus loves me, a Bible tells me so. And he says, a Bible, like it's just one of many that, that, you, could be, that you could be listening to. I just think that's awesome. But singing that, that song several times this, this past week, it just kind of reminded me of the beautiful simplicity of that song. Just the, the, the power of those simple, simple words. We know the words, don't we? Powerful words. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. Sing it with me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. We know the words. But do we know the love? Do we experience his love? Do we feel his love? The most famous verse in the Bible, John 3.16, it says it so clearly. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Jesus came to earth so we would know that God loves us, so that we would experience his life, not just in the future, not just when we die, but that we would experience his life now. That we would experience peace and confidence and fulfillment and security and a clear conscience. That we would experience his presence. That we would experience his love. Now, who wouldn't want those things? I mean, seriously, forget the whole Christian thing just for a, just for a moment. Who wouldn't want peace? Security, confidence, a clear conscience. Who wouldn't want unconditional love? And Jesus says, you can with me. So I want to read part of a letter today, and it's a, a letter written by a guy named Paul who was a follower of Jesus, lived about 2,000 years ago. And we've talked about this before, but before Paul surrendered his life to Jesus, he was single-handedly trying to just stop the whole Jesus movement, even violently having people arrested and, and put in prison and even killed. And then Jesus personally appears to Paul in a vision, and his whole life is turned upside down. He spends the rest of his life planting churches and telling people about Jesus. 
And what's cool about this letter is that Paul doesn't necessarily know all the believers that are going to read it. It's what we call a, a general letter. It's the book of Ephesians or the letter to, to the Ephesians. But Paul doesn't know exactly who all the believers are who are going to read it. He's just writing words of encouragement to anyone who would ever happen to grab a hold of this letter. Whether that was 2,000 years ago or whether that's today. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14 is where I'll start. And Paul says, when I think of all this, I fall to my knees and I pray to the Father. And when you see that phrase, when I think of all this, it makes us ask the question, what's he talking about? What is all this? And he's actually referring back to what he just wrote a, a few verses earlier in verse 6. And he says, and this is God's plan. Both Gentiles and Jews, and guys, that's all of us, okay? You're either born a Jew by, by ancestry or you're like me, you, you are a Gentile. And it's not just us here today, it's the entire human race. And this is God's plan. Both Gentiles and Jews who believe the good news share equally in the riches inherited by God's children. And what's the good news? Well, I just wrote, read it a moment ago in John 3.16. That God's Son, Jesus, died for our sins and failures. That He died for all the crap that we have ever done to other people. And He died for all the crap that has ever been done to you and has been done to me. And He died for all of it, whether it was, whether it was years ago or whether it just happened last week. And then he rose from the dead. And because of that, new life, God's life, is available to anyone who would believe the good news. His amazing, abundant, exciting, rich, loving, full, and transforming life is available to you right now. Today. So that's what Paul is thinking about when he writes this letter. That anyone, 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 it doesn't matter who you are or who you aren't. It doesn't matter what you have believed or what you haven't believed. It doesn't matter what you have done or what you haven't done or what's been done to you. He says, when I think of all this, that anyone can experience God's new life, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth, I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources that he will empower you. And guys, that you is you. That you is me. That he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. And your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep His love is. God loves you. He loves you. Paul prays on, may you experience the love of Christ. May you experience the love of Christ. Though it is too great to understand fully, 
then, then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. So guys, that's my desire for us today. That in these moments that we share this morning, that we will experience his love. Do you know God loves you? Do you believe Jesus loves you? We sang the song. It's easy to say the words, easy to sing the words. So simple. And yet so amazingly powerful. Nothing is more important than that. Jesus loves me. He loves me. I want you to say that out loud with me. It, it's, it's the most incredible thing that I can share with you today. It's the most incredible thing I can share with you any day. So say it out loud with me. Jesus loves me. Say it again. Jesus loves me. Say it louder. Jesus loves me. He does. He does. Do you believe it? You know, I alluded to the fact that I'm, I'm a dad, and I've only been a dad for five years now. My, my oldest is five. But something has changed in me in the last five years. It's something I can't even fully put into words, but it is something that is felt very, very deep inside my soul. I love my boys. Man, I love them. They're my kids. They're my children. And I love my boys, and it has nothing to do with how they perform or how they act. And many times I have told them, now daddy isn't happy with what you just said, or daddy isn't happy with what you just did, but look at me. I still love you. Daddy loves you. And there's times when, when the boys are being disciplined for something and, and they'll look at me and say, Daddy, I don't like you. Or they'll say, Daddy, I don't love you. And I cry now, but at the moment I smile. And if they're close by, I grab them and I pull them right in. I say, look at me. Daddy still loves you. And that's never going to change. And when they hurt, I hurt. And when they laugh, I can't help but laugh. And when they're afraid or when they need help, I get there as fast as I can and I tell them, Daddy's right here. And for their entire life, every night before we go to bed, and we do the whole bedtime routine, and they get in their pajamas, brush their teeth, and there's always a story or a book, and, and then we say our prayers, and then I get up, and as I'm walking out of the room, I say, Grady, Andon, I love you, and then I say this, and Daddy will always love you. Because I never want them to doubt that. 
I never want my kids to think that I love them only when they perform right. And I know for some of you, it's hard to hear that because when you were growing up, it felt like it was always about performance with your mom and dad. Maybe it's how you feel right now if if you're still living at home. And I just need you to look at me and, and hear that is not how God intends it to be. And if that's happening or if that happened, I am so sorry. That is not how God wanted it to be. But I want that phrase to be so ingrained in their hearts and their minds and that when they are older and when they screw up, because I know they will, and when they think that they have done something so bad or that they have failed me and and they don't think that daddy could ever forgive them, I want them to remember I want them to hear those words that they have heard since birth over and over and over in their mind and in their heart that daddy will always love you. And if I, an incredibly imperfect father with all kinds of faults, and believe me, I have all kinds of faults, if I can love my boys like that, how much more does a perfect, Heavenly Father, love his children, you. So look at that verse again. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should. You see, the Apostle Paul never doubted God loves his children. He doubted that God's children would believe it. He doubted they would understand it, that they would feel it, that they would experience it. And some of you are here today and you're you're feeling beat up from life. It's just how it it's just how it works. Life beats us up. And when you came through those doors today, maybe you felt broken, maybe you felt unworthy, maybe you felt unloved, maybe, maybe you felt discouraged or lonely, maybe you just plain felt tired. We live in such a performance-driven world, and you're wondering, or even doubting, or even disbelieving that God could love you. Maybe it's because you're sick or you're suffering or because you're feeling guilty for some secret sin that only you know about. Maybe you question it because you know you've been pursuing all the wrong things. Maybe you just dismiss it because you're too busy. That it's just too simple. Look at me. God loves you. He sent his son to die for you. That's how much he loves you. And your daddy will always love you. So the band's going to lead us in a few songs. 
And while they sing, at, at least at the beginning, I just want you to remain seated. And I want you to listen because the words of these songs, they're powerful. And I want you to just allow them to penetrate your heart, penetrate your soul, and allow them to speak deeply to you. And when you sat down, there was a card on your chair, and there's a question on that card, and I want you to reflect on this. What is most likely to prevent me from knowing, believing, experiencing, or embracing God's love? What is it? These next few moments, it's, it's just you and God. Don't write your name on it. This is just between you and him. But I do want you to write it down because there is something powerful about expressing it. So write it down, look at it, read it, and own it. And when you're done with that, if you want to, you can kneel and pray. Maybe you want to lift your hands in worship right where you are. If you want to stand and sing or sit and sing, you're welcome to do all of that. You're you're welcome to participate in, in that however you want. Just know this. God is here. He is right here. And I pray that there is a moment when you have the power to understand what it is He wants to tell you.